Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Welcome back to the Real Food, Real Conversations podcast with me, Sophia DeSantis. And today, this is episode 32, which is crazy. Um, Today, I have a special guest. I'm super excited to have her, Julie, who I have known for a really, really long time. Um, Mm -hmm. I won't say how long because then that gives away our age. Um, But Julie, why don't you introduce yourself and let um, everyone know what we're going to talk about today because it's kind of the focus of your business. Well, thank you, Sophia, for having me. And yes, we go a long way back. And I'm happy that you didn't say how long. But um, yeah, my my name is Julie Pullman, and I am the founder of Rise Wellness Coaching. And really, the the focus of my business is to help teens and kids um, learn habits to care for their bodies and minds at a really young age, so that as they progress through life those healthy habits are just second nature for them and will carry them throughout their adult lives. So that is kind of the, the premise of my business. And, um, that's, that's where I am right now. That's awesome. And it's so, so, so important because I feel like, well, you know, when we were growing up, we didn't have any of this. I mean, we had stuff, but the, the level at to which teen girls and preteen girls have to mm-hmm. deal with what's happening right now in yeah. life in general is insane to me. I mean, I have younger kids than Julie, but I see like Sam, who is just turned 10 the other day, and I see him even as a boy, some of the stuff that happens and I'm like, oh my God. And my sister has two girls and I see you know, one of her daughters has major body issues already and it's insane. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't imagine, I can't imagine what we went through and not only the stupid stuff that we did, but like the things that we went through being broadcast on social media. Well, exactly. Exactly. It's terrifying. I, the, the reason I actually got into health and fitness has always been something that's been, I've been very passionate about ever since I had kids, really, well, throughout my life, but really the focus, once I had kids, my body started changing, I started getting sick. And so then I kind of took this journey, um, just personally, to heal myself. And through that process, I just found this love and this passion for health and fitness and wellness. But it's really my two teen daughters that made me kind of stop in my tracks and, and say, like, I... I knew I wanted to have a career in health and fitness, but it wasn't until I had them that I realized how big of a need there is for our kids, boys and girls. I mean, boys are struggling just as much as girls are. It's just not quite as common to admit it, unfortunately. Um, And it's not not as much of a focus as put on the boys. But gosh, what these poor kids are seeing on media and social media day in and day out, it's it's terrifying. And there's not a lot of resources out there for kids and, um, and there should be, I mean, I, if, if my opinion, if I could get on my soapbox for two seconds would be that this needs to be something that we're teaching 
and elementary school and then carries on to middle school and then high school. It's as important as math, English, science, health and wellness should be one of the core classes. And some schools have like a little, you know, a little taste of it here and a little taste of it there, but it's not something that is in their daily lives and reiterated. And there's, there's really no focus on it. And it's, we're doing our kids such a, um, in a disservice by not helping them learn these habits at a young age, because we all know as you get older, so much harder to, to change, you know, you can't teach a old dog new tricks, right? But if you yeah. start with these kids when they're young and just teach them, it just becomes second nature. And it's amazing to me that, that we're not doing that across oh my God. the board. So many, so many good points in there. First, like as a, like first as a teacher by, you know, like I taught for 14 years. Um, I have a master's degree in education, especially my focus being in special education and actual, um, learning acquisition, like reading acquisition and how kids learn. I, my issue with special education in our country is that it's a, um, and I feel like this is an issue in so many areas in our country, but it is a fail first model. Like in special ed, you can't qualify for services until you're so far behind that there is a two deviations below the standard norm of a difference. And by that point, by that point, they are so far behind that you have to actually work on their mental, because that's what I did when I was teaching special ed is you have to work on their mental health first before you can teach them to learn because they feel like such failures already. So this is kind of the same thing is that they fit. It's a failure first model. Like you said, like if we were to teach them young and let's be real, like I work with a functional medicine doctor, naturopath now, and so many of my issues, um, are actually based on my upbringing and not that my parents, I had bad upbringing, but experiences that I went through as a child that were never dealt with. And that's what she tells me, like, we're like an onion. And she's like, my reaction to things now is a trigger because of something that I don't even remember, which is crazy. And that's the thing is she'll bring up things and she'll she'll say like, well, why do you feel abandoned in this? Whatever. Cause she works on it's functional medicine. It's like everything, all these, she talks about how your um, physical issues now are actual, a lot of them are emotionally triggered. So that's the thing is that if we start this, like you said, when they're young and we, and, and we build this into just who they are, it's like, it's, but the problem is it's failure first and schools are so focused on reading math. And what they don't realize is that kids can't actually learn, believe it or not. And that's something, this is something I know for a fact, they actually cannot learn the reading, the math, the writing, if their emotional well-being is not in the right place, because they're, right. they're they don't have, they don't have the emotional energy to focus on it. So Absolutely. you have a child and they're also, don't you think they're also um, pretty much putting the eggs in the whole at home basket when it comes to mental health and body image and that kind of things. And they're not, they're just assuming that they have that good role model at home. And so many people don't because as adults, like, you know, it's like this cycle of issues. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I mean, think about, I think even all of us as adults still have our own set of issues. So then we're the example and we, you know, we, we live in San Diego, California. Everyone is very, very focused on health and nutrition and Mm -hmm. 
you know, from one standpoint, we're really lucky for that because there's definitely, that is just kind of the norm. But on the other standpoint, that almost creates a whole nother set of issues because, you know, there's definitely a lot of fit, skinny, um, people. And that's not, that's not reality for everyone. Some people can never, regardless of their diet, obtain that, um, figure. And, and so even as parents, we're judging ourselves and, Uh um, so yeah, it's, and also let's be honest, I'm a mom of two teen girls. This is what I do. Do they actually listen to me? (laughs) Right. You know, that's the thing. I mean, I can model it all I want and I do. And I think that's so important. And I'm hoping that somewhere down there in the back of their brains, like me modeling this behavior and really taking my health and taking an active role in, in living a healthy lifestyle is going to pay off in the long run. And I know it will, but guess what? My daughter was sitting there last night and had barely anything for dinner and then devoured an entire bowl of chips. And I was right. just like biting my tongue. And, you know, I mean, there, you can, you can talk until you're blue in the face, but yeah. they, sometimes it needs to come from an outside source. It needs to come from both. Totally. It needs to come from the home. Unfortunately, a lot of people aren't educated enough to have those resources to even give to their kids, but it also needs to come from other resources, schools, mainly, oh, totally. because that's surrounded in so much of their time and totally. then hopefully reinforced at home. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's scary. It's really scary. And then you look at our obesity rates and diabetes, and I mean, it's just through the roof. And that's kind of like what you said. Now we're finally looking into this, but the problem is already so beyond, you know, not, I don't want to say beyond repair to seem hopeless, but we're so deep in it now that it's going to take a lot to get back up to where we need to be. Whereas, gosh, if we had put this focus so many years ago on wellness and health and fitness, we wouldn't be in the position that we are today, but that's not the way our society is, unfortunately. No, it's not. Well, and it's hard because I have boys and back to the whole like boy struggle too. I I totally do feel that it is worse for girls because that is what mostly what is online, social media, whatever. However, that being said, being a mom of two, of three boys, um, I want to model those types of behaviors as well, as well, not just for them because yes, boys struggle too, but also because one day my boys will may choose to marry a woman, may have daughters of their own. And- yeah if they don't have those right, you know, um, thoughts and models and behaviors, they're not, not, not going to know a, how to support their wife mm-hmm. and b how to support their daughter if they have one. So it's like, I have to, I struggle just as much as Absolutely. a mom of girls because I know that my, I, I don't, I want a son who's going to like love somebody for who they are and not have these, you know, images of what a woman quote unquote should look like, or, when they raise daughters, being able to raise them, you know, you know, with the right body image and, you know, but boys are affected. I mean, what's funny is that the, it was, God, it was a couple of weeks ago. My boys were arguing my oldest two and my young and my oldest one, like I made cookies and he took the last cookie. And the second one goes to him. The second one goes to him. You suck. You're so fat. I can't believe you ate the last cookie. And my <laughs> oldest son literally was like crying. And I'm like, what's wrong? And he goes, he called me fat. And I looked at him and I go, okay, first of all, 
I'll deal with him in a second. First of all, are you fat? And he's like, no. And I go, and even if you are bigger, does it matter? And he was like, well, no. I'm like, are you healthy? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, then it doesn't matter. And then, you know, then I talked to my other son, I got, you know, and I, of course, tore him a new one. I'm like, you never talk about somebody's appearance. You know, that is not how we, and and it was something so simple, but. Right. Right. I overdid it in our house. Yeah. Well, and I overdid it. No. Well, and I overdid it. Like my husband's like, calm down, but I'm like, I overreacted, but I, but in hopes that he realizes that it's so, you know, we don't talk about other people's appearances and they really rarely do because I try so hard. That's one of my biggest things is that we don't talk about appearances, but it was just, the boys are affected. And I just think the difference with boys is that, you know, I hate to be, you know, gender or whatever, but I just don't think boys talk about their feelings as much as girls. Well, exactly. And that's, that's exactly what it is. And that's what I'm saying. Like I, they definitely have issues as well. It's just not, I mean, there's the whole body positive movement right now, which I think is great. We still have a long ways to go, but again, it's not focused on boys and their feelings are kind of just brushed under the rug. And, you know, I mean, studies are showing that there's a pretty large percentage of boys that make up um, the population of teen eating disorders. I think it's like 15 to 20% are boys. Um, And, you know, they're just the like ideal, like body image or what the ideal male body is portrayed as as media is not realistic for, we know it's not realistic for the female body, but it's not realistic for the male body either. But boys are kind of taught not to, not to talk about it and not to have emotions about it and totally just go out there and play sports and whatever. And that doesn't, that doesn't work for everyone. And And don't you think too, with the boy, don't you think too, with the boys, like it's easier for the boys to cover up their body than for the girls, because boys can throw on, you know, a big t-shirt and some shorts and it's easy to like hide, quote unquote, hide in your body. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Although it is the style now for teens to wear the big baggy sweatshirts, but <laughs> it is. Well, yes. But and no, I know you're this. right. You're absolutely right. Um, no, it's true though. Cause my, um, my niece, she wears quote unquote, more boyish clothes. Like she's kind of a tomboy, like loves right, sports, right. whatever. And she definitely, you know, loves the, you know, big t-shirts and whatever. However, um, when she was younger, I want to say it was first or second grade. There was a little girl who kind of bullied her, um, a lot of the year. And a lot of the bullying was based around her body. And mm. this little girl, um, you know, was a bigger girl than her. And I think a lot of it, um, I think she had her own major issues that stemmed from home. Um, But my niece hasn't worn a two piece since then. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, she wears, um, she actually prefers board shorts, um, which when we were growing up, like we used to wear board shorts all the time, which is totally, that was the style. Yeah. (laughs) And my niece what does a terrible too. tan that created for us. But oh anyways. my gosh, no, totally. <laughs> I, I mean, no, but it, it's funny because she wears boy shorts and my sister something. I'm like, don't you remember like that? We used to wear the boy shorts, the board yeah. shorts, like all the yeah. time. Yeah, um, for sure. But it's like, it hurts me though, because she has such, I, I know that, that that time, while she may not remember it specifically, you know, if I'm putting, you know, my, my 
foot in my functional medicine doctor's spot for a second. Like I know that that was part of the creation of her, her body image issues because this one little girl teased her and it's, it's, I don't know, it, it drives the whole thing and just drives me crazy. Like I have this, I have a very similar passion for health and fitness kind of in a different arena, different niche, but I feel like your passion for health and fitness has been around for a while. I mean, when we were younger, like you were very sporty. I mean, we both played sports. We both, I don't think we, I think we're more above our times a little bit with how we ate and how we exercise. And I don't know if you remember, but like, I remember in high school, like I running the lake, like before school sometimes. Uh, I never did that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Good I was you. crazy. I remember going and doing that, like, but we definitely, I mean, we're very sporty, you know? Yes. Yes, exactly. And I think that that's, that is the, the challenge I think. And you're right. We, I, I played sports all throughout high school on, um, and that was a big part of my life, but I also did kind of eat like crap. I remember on off-campus lunch, going to little Caesars and getting a piece of pizza and a Coke, like that, if my kids did that every day for lunch, I would like ground them forever. <laughs> you know, I remember on campus lunch doing the Mexican, the burritos, like that the was burritos. What, yes. yeah, yes, the burritos too. But I think that, um, I think that when you're active in sports, you, it kind of balances out a little bit, yeah. not to say mm-hmm. like, okay, just because you play sports, you should go eat burritos and a little no, totally. pizza. I definitely would not encourage that by any stretch of the imagination, but the, a lot of the kids that I'm working with these days are the ones that aren't in sports, right? Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, team sports aren't for everyone. And so such a large majority of the clients that I'm working with are unfortunately battling with their weight because they don't have that physical activity as a part of their yeah. life. And our society so big on like, team sports. We're like Uber, like competitive sports, competitive sports, but there's such a large population, A, that can't afford them, B, that that's just not their thing. And that's totally okay. So I really try to work with these kids on, okay, let's find some activity. There's so many things out there that you can choose from. There has to be something that you enjoy and that you love, but that also is going to reward you from a physical standpoint. I don't care if it's yoga. I don't care if it's walking your dog. Maybe it is, you know, like, I don't know, like whatever, surfing. Like there's there's a million things out there that these kids that aren't involved in team sports can do. It's just we don't put the focus on that. It's like, if you don't play sports, I guess you just need to sit inside and play video games. Well, that's, and that's so the we thing. need to find that balance to encourage these, these kids or the kids who do play sports throughout high school. And then guess what? They go to college and they stop and then they're really in for it because they, they don't have that physical outlet anymore. And so if we can just teach these kids, like, how to incorporate activity into their lives and in a way that they enjoy it and they love it and that they want to do it. And it doesn't mean that they need to be out there like burning a million calories and sweating their butt off. It's just being active, do something that you love and that, but that gets you active and gets your blood flowing and, um, and helps your mind, clears your mind, clears your stress, helps you sleep. I mean, there's so many things, um, 
but again, we put such a focus on like these hardcore competitive sports and you have to practice five days a week and then you have your tournaments on the weekends and the this and the that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Both of my kids are in super competitive sports and they do that. But I also try to teach them that there's, there's, there's a balance in that as well. Um, and so I really work with kids a lot on, um, on finding that, finding something that you love, that you can do, that's going to make you active and in turn, hopefully make you happy. Totally. Well, and first of all, of course, like today's world is so much more screen focused than our life ever was. I mean, I remember, I remember when the first Nintendo came out and we would sit inside and play and my mom would like chase us out of the house and go get out of here and don't come back until dark, you know? And we would roam the neighborhood. Like we would play in that empty lot. We would walk to 7-Eleven. Like we would, I mean, and granted we would go to 7-Eleven, get candy and a Slurpee, but at least we were walking there or riding our scooter. Like we would ride our scooter to our, I mean, I would ride my scooter to friends' houses that now so many parents would not allow their kids to do that. And having young kids, like I have really tried hard to take my anxiety aside and let my kids, like my kids roam the neighborhood now, like my oldest, like he'll ride his bike pretty far for his age, but I have, I have to put my fears of what might happen aside for a his mental health and b his ability to like be active and absolutely, you know, so I kind of parent like 1980s, 90s style. Like I, my kids, even my five-year-old, he's out front playing like most of the day, like they play That's outside and come in thing. Yeah. Well, and it's hard because, you know, so many people are like, I can't believe you let him play outside by himself. And I'm like, well, A, I'm working and B, I mean, okay, yes, something could happen, but the chances are so low, but the reward is so high. And if something happened, yeah, I'd be devastated. But at the same time, I just, I can't keep him inside. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's such a struggle as a mom, like to go because you're right. Like the whole, what you said about competitive sports, like actually kind of hit a little bit of a, like a, a pain point for me because I, my kids are at an age where a lot of their friends are starting to move to competitive and mm-hmm. a, we have three kids and B my husband and you know, both Joe and I like, we're pretty sporty. And Joe was like, real, like really good at baseball. He was, he played like two years above his grade, like his age, like he was kind of a baseball superstar when he was younger and eventually quit when he moved down here and started surfing, um, good, bad, or indifferent. But we both have agreed that we are not allowing our kids to do competitive sports until they're in junior high. And the reason being is number one money, because we've got three kids and number two, so much of the research that we have read, especially in boys and the pressure of competitive sports is that they burn, burn out. And And we, we have, you know, seen that we want them to be able to experience all the sports. So we refuse to do competitive. We're only doing rec. The hard part is that, you know, the, the second middle one, his friend, because so many competitive sport are, because so many rec sports aren't happening right now, a lot of their friends have moved to competitive because they are happening. And it's hard because the middle one, he wants to do it with his friends and especially soccer. All his good friends are playing competitive soccer now. And I'm like, no, I refuse. I refuse to do it. So we have had to find like other things. Uh, Rec is wonderful. Like number one, rec is less pressure for us. If we want to go away, like I don't have to worry about it. They just just miss it. 
And number That's two, what I was like, gonna say, I'm like, you're also saving your weekends. <laughs> yes, totally. And I mean, my <laughs> kids are five, almost nine and 10. Like I am not going to dedicate myself to this right now because it's just, they're so young and yeah, fine. Yeah. When they're in junior high, if when they've decided on a sport, not five sports, Right, right. They exactly. want to focus on because like the oldest one, he does football, he does baseball, he does soccer, he does basketball, and he wants to do everything. And Which I'm like, beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so great. That's such and a And I love thing. it. But I'm not doing a competitive on all these things. Like, no you're way. wreck. And that's what you're doing, you know? Yeah. So yeah, but it, it is, it's such a focus, this whole competitive nature of life at such a young age. I feel like it's getting younger and younger. I mean, it's insane. It is. And then you kind of get sucked into it a little bit. And yes. And, and, but yeah, but then, like I said, then there's the whole opposite side of those kids that don't do sports that are then kind of just like brushed under the rug. Like, oh, well, let's just not worry about them. It's like all or nothing. Why can't we find that middle ground? Why can't we have a middle ground? Totally. But isn't that Mm -hmm. life right now? Life to me, I feel like everything is so all or nothing and everything is so competitive and everything, like, especially with the parents. And I, I am, I've tried really hard. I'm pretty proud of myself that I will not get sucked into the competitive nature of sports because Good for you. Good I can't, for you. like, I can't do that to my yeah. kids. I can't do that to myself. And you know, it's like rec is great. You learn those skills. You, you know, you don't have to be the best and let's be real. How many of these kids are going to be professionals? Like they're exactly. just not, exactly. they're just not, I mean, and I don't know, like maybe call but even for college it's so hard with the main sports to get a scholarship yeah yeah I told my daughter the other day I'm like you should take a pickleball maybe you could get a scholarship totally. from that because it's all the other ones it's like forget it yeah but no and it's it makes me laugh sometimes because I always think about this is kind of a total like side topic but how much money people invest in their kids sports at such a young age to try to get their kids scholarships I'm like gosh if you just didn't invest all that money in sports, you probably could just pay for the college with all the money. Right. You're, yeah, totally. You know, it's silly. It's silly. It, uh, yeah. Well, and I, like I the mean, middle one, forever. our middle one isn't like as, I take that back. He loves sports and he loves to play with his brothers. And I mean, they're, we're kind of a baseball family. That's kind of like a big sport for us. And sure. they play baseball like together all day, every day. But my middle one, we struggle a little bit with him because he isn't, I don't want to say as sporty. He's just, it doesn't come as naturally to him. Um, he's actually really good at golf. And so I'm kind of trying to push that because, because Joe's like golf would be one that he could totally get a scholarship for. Right. Yeah. Um, No, that's such a random sport. Um, but he, he like, he's actually baseball played baseball. He stopped playing last, last season because he, um, he just wasn't, it, I don't want to say he wasn't good because he wasn't, um, but it sounds kind of me, but it just wasn't, it, it, he doesn't move fast enough for the baseball um, that we played with like the machine and, and all this stuff. And right, right. he plays with his brothers. He doesn't, he doesn't want the pressure of playing on a team. So it's kind of that balance. Like you said, like, it doesn't have to be like, you're on this team or you don't do anything. Like go outside and play with your kids at the park or have them play. Like, they can play without having to be on this like organized team. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a beautiful thing. And if he can keep that up and not have that distaste for it, like thinking like, Oh, I'm not good enough, but just keep that like 
playful attitude for it, that's, that's a huge win because he's being active. He's getting outside, he's getting fresh air and he's interacting with other people. Like that's the big takeaway, not whether or not he is going to make the, you know, a team on the competitive baseball and go to college. Well, and exercise, like, you know, I mean, for me, and I know we're probably blessed to have this as our outlet, but for me, if I am stressed, exercise, whatever form I do, like immediately makes me feel better. Like I, I need that. And, and I know some people turn to food and some people turn to other things, but I am trying to instill that in my kids is that you're not, you know, you're kind of feeling the little blue, go outside, get some fresh air. I mean, it physically releases happy hormones in you. Yeah. And that is definitely connected in that circle of body image and, and all that kind of stuff. And Yeah, that's it's there's a physical there's an actual like scientific reason behind getting out and like you said you don't have to run a marathon you know it could just be like playing outside you know yeah absolutely absolutely just Um, finding something what age do you think um like what is the youngest that you think we start seeing this or do you think it's related to like body image issues and stuff like that do you think it's related to like the home, or do you think that there is an age where kids start to become aware of this? You know, that's a really great question. Um, the The reality is kids aren't born worrying about their weight, right? We all know that. No. It's definitely yeah. a learned behavior. And I think that that is brought on through a lot of things, social media, um, parental example, um, and then peers, like you said, your little niece who was, you know, made fun of at school. Um, mm-hmm. but studies are showing that girls as young, I think I wrote it down somewhere six. Okay. Listen to this. This is disturbing. 60% of girls between the ages of six, okay. Six years old, they're still playing with dolls, like six years old and 12 are worried about their weight. Oh like my God. that, where is that coming from? Because they're not born with it. Definitely. And you'd like to think that at six, they're not, they're clearly not on social media yet, I would hope. But beyond that, they're watching TV, they're watching commercials, advertisers are marketing their products using weight, beauty, and all these other strategies to encourage people to buy their products. And oftentimes weight and beauty don't even have anything to do with the products. And so it's just Mm -hmm. those subtle messages over time. And then fast forward, the girls get a little older and then they get on social media or boys. And like, if you think about visual platforms like Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, they deliver tools that allow teens to earn approval based on their appearances. And so I think that it just is like, I don't think it's any one of those things, right? I think it's just a combination of all of them. Um, And then like, even adults, not just teens, are curating their social media feeds to show the best version of themselves, right? We all see it. You're not going to post a picture of yourself on social media where you look, you know, like you have two zits on your chin and whatever, that you don't look good. And there are all these filters and edited and edits. And so that's what our, that's what our kids are seeing. And those, you know, it's, I mean, how, how do those images not have a potentially negative influence on 
body image. I mean, yeah, our diet no cultures, there's no way our diet culture is black and white. Skinny's good. Fat is bad. I mean, that's just, mm-hmm. that's just the truth. And it sucks to say that, but we live in an appearance oriented world. And regardless of the gender of these kids, they're being affected by these unrealistic demands that society's placing on them. And yes, I definitely think there's things at home that parents can be doing to be, to encourage like, you know, the positive body image and eating patterns and habits. And, but unfortunately a lot of us as moms and dads probably, but especially moms are have issues with our body. Yeah, we struggle too, for sure. We totally well, struggle too. I, and then guess what? That's our kids here. I get so mad when I'm with, and I have, I'm blessed to have an amazing group of friends, but there's times where the conversation turns to like, oh, you know, oh God, I need Botox and oh, I'm not going to wear a bathing suit to the beach today because my butt is looking really big and blah, blah, blah. And on our kids, maybe we're not saying it directly to our kids, but, but they hear the kids are in your shot and guess what? They're listening. And so yep, they are, that's what we're teaching them. I mean, how, how do they not get that in their heads and start to think that for themselves? Or if we're eating something like, oh my gosh, I just ate like two slices of cake and now I feel like such a big fatty. Um, you know, we all say things like that, totally harmless, but those but not, yeah, aren't, aren't harmless in yeah. the ears of our children because we're modeling to them, you know, how we feel about ourselves. And if we're constantly speaking negatively about ourselves, they're going to start to have that same totally. talk about themselves. I read somewhere, God, or somebody, another person had a, a different episode said something to me. There's something about certain, um, that moms that yo-yo diet, uh-huh. some, it's, it's a certain contributes a certain amount, like certain amount of daughters who have moms that yo-yo diet end up having body image issues. I forget the percentage, but that was the thing. And I'm like trying to think back to like, when I was growing up, if my mom, I mean, my mom definitely diets, you know, quote unquote, like she definitely does. But I don't think, I don't remember her like yo-yo dieting by any means. That like dictating How, her life. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Um, however, my mom also, wor- I was like a latchkey kid. My mom worked full time. So she wasn't, yeah. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't like um, I had the stay-at-home mom that was constantly like, you know, dieting or whatever. However, right. I right. I will say that, you know, being Greek, growing up in the Greek culture, um, Greeks have no filter. And they say things and it's totally true. Like my extended family, like I, they say things that, and it's very, a lot of their comments are very weight centered and very look centered. And I, I do remember like growing up, I was always told I had the Greek butt because my sister was, my sister growing up was like super skinny and tall. And Mm -hmm. I was the short one with the Greek butt. And I have to tell you that my legs and my butt are my least favorite part of my body. I, I, I struggle so hard with accepting, liking my legs and my butt. Like I really do from like, I just do still as a 40 plus year old adult, like I still struggle with that. And I know that that is centered based on 
how what I was told when I was growing up. And I was always and the other the thing I don't struggle with is my abs. Like I was always complimented for my abs. Like you have great abs, blah, blah. And so it's like, do yeah. I really like my abs better than my butt because they are so much better? Or do I feel more comfortable with my abs because I, uh, you know, it was never something that was harped on, you know, like it's such exactly. a hard, it's such a hard thing. And I can't tell you that answer, but I do know that I have as my boys have gotten older and I've learned more about this, I, I do, I am very careful with what I say around them. And I right. specifically remember a time it was last, not this holiday picture season, but last holiday picture season. I, cause I don't wear a lot of short stuff because I really don't love my legs. And so right. I, I will, you know, but it definitely, it's, it's definitely not easy for me. And I was talking to my photographer about what to wear. And I have this short jean skirt with these buttons up. And, um, she's like, I love that skirt. You totally should wear that. And I was like, Oh, and I have this yellow tank top and she like, you want me to wear it like tucked in. And I usually don't love that look mostly because of, you know, just, you know, the way it looks on me. And I remember standing there and she's like, you look adorable, get over it. And I remember standing there and almost what came out of my, I remember looking down and almost what came out of my mouth was, God, I hate my legs. And my kids were right there. And I stopped myself and I didn't say anything because it, it was a, it was a conscious thing I, that I'm like, I'm not going to talk like that, you know? Right. And because right. it's well, like, good. your kids hear that, you know, Absolutely. like you said, they hear Absolutely. it. They 100% well, hear it. Yeah. Well, for what it's worth, I, I think that the, the picture that you're talking about is on your website and you look adorable. And I've seen your butt and your legs and you have a really nice butt and legs, but, but, but beyond that, that's the thing. Like the number one thing that I try to teach the kids that I work with is there's, you could have the most rockin' body in the world. So you could be a supermodel and guess what? The, I guarantee that that supermodel goes to the mirror and there's things about her body yeah. or his mm-hmm. body that they don't like. And totally. so my whole thing is learning to get to a place where you accept your body. I'm yeah. never going to tell anyone, like, I want you to love every single thing about your body. That's not realistic. There's always yeah. going to be things like, of course, oh, I wish I could change this. I wish I could do that. But at the end of the day, we need to get to a place where our body doesn't define who we are and consume totally. our life and steal our joy. And the reality is that so many of women, adults too, but teens, like that is what consumes them. And what a sad way to go through life, right? Like yes. all you care about is the way you look. And, and I always tell the girls that I work with too, I'm like, guess what? You care about the way you look way more than anyone else cares. Like they're yeah. not looking at you, critiquing you like the way you're critiquing yourself. Oh, totally. We're so our worst just, critics. We are our worst critics. So just find a place where you can accept who you are. You wouldn't try to change your height. You know, if you, you and I were, are both short. I, I might. <laughs> Five two. Well, no, I would, right? But I was born five two. I'm never going to be any taller. And yes, I can wear high shoes or whatever else, but I have to learn to accept that. And I was born with blue eyes. Guess what? Maybe I wanted brown eyes. I'm never going to be able to change that unless I wear contacts. But you know what I'm saying? Like your body style is the same, and we have to learn to 
find a place of acceptance. And that doesn't mean like we need to let it go and not work out and not try to eat healthy, but like, we also have to find a place where we can love our body for what it is, accept it for what it is, and then move on and enjoy our life and enjoy the, you know, the people in our lives and all the amazing things that and enjoy food. And enjoy food because food is like meant to be enjoyed. And like, I mean, speaking of like, what about, do you see a lot of, like, I know eating disorders and orthorexia and all these things are kind of hot right now as in, as far as the, like, you know, what's going on as Mm -hmm. far, like real eating disorders. Cause I'm trying to think like back when we were growing up and, you know, I can't, I don't remember, I can't remember, you know, like that hands out that we had any friends that had like legit real eating disorders and they probably, you know, maybe hit it well, but I feel like now it, it, you, I can, you know, look at people and be like, Oh, you know, that's something's off. Do you see a pretty big instance of eating disorders in teens? Like, you know, it's sadly pretty prevalent on, I I don't work with people with true eating disorders because I'm yeah. not a, I'm not a psychiatrist. So totally. if I identify any of my clients that have eating disorders, it's out of my scope of practice and I refer them out. But, but yes, yeah, there's definitely, uh, it's on the rise. It's definitely on the rise. And, 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 and even honestly, like dieting to me, is not an eating disorder, but it's definitely it's like, a precursor. It's a precursor and it's on the path. And by the age of 17, I think something like 89% of girls have dieted. And so that's that's a really high number. And and in a lot of instances, the next step is taking it like to, mm-hmm. to become anorexic or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, limiting your calories and yeah. I, I had a client the other day that said that she, um, was, she would run like seven to eight miles a day and that she saw on TikTok <laughs> that she should be eating like a thousand calories. Oh my <laughs> like, God. Oh my gosh. And she's like, I knew that that was really low. I'm like, okay, number one, please don't ever believe anything you see on TikTok. Yeah. Let's <laughs> not like, get our information from any online platform actually. Yeah. But that, but that's the thing there's, so, I mean, and that I only bring that up because that's what these girls are seeing. And so yeah. that's, they're like, oh yeah. Totally. So, you know, we had to, I had to just like start from scratch, like fueling your body and protein and this and that. And if you want to be running at that level, like you need to be like giving your body adequate fuel to be able to actually function and do that. And that's like whatever else. But yeah, but these kids just, I mean, there's so much (laughs) mixed messages and like, bogus information out there that they, it's no wonder where they are, where they are, because it's so hard to decipher all of it. Well, Um, diets in general, diet culture in general. I mean, I definitely, you know, we eat a mostly plant-based diet from what started from my husband's health. But as I've grown in my brand, I actually have like created this little niche of it plant-based doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. It doesn't have to be, you know, you have to, you know, and this is my problem with all sorts of eating, because if you look online, you can find anything. Um, the, the, the low carb diet, the high carb diet, 
the no yeah. meat diet, the no, you know, like the, the all meat protein diet. diet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's everything. And the, the, yeah. the reality is that most of us um, work best somewhere in the middle, you know, like, absolutely. Like, you know, the whole keto thing or whatever, like originally, like that was created for somebody with medical issues. And right. like my right. husband, like his cardiologist told him to eat a certain way. His like MD doctor, you know, and, and within three months he had completely cured his heart issues by the guidance of his doctor. And right. for me, you know, like as I've, yes, I feel better eating mostly plants. However, now that I have to actually be off of gluten hundred percent for my own health issues, like yeah. Yeah. I cannot do any gluten. It wreaks havoc on my body. I've had to bring back some non-plant-based foods because there's things that like I need and my body's craving now and I'm learning yeah. how my own body works and nothing is right for everybody, you know, Absolutely. like, Absolutely. I mean, at least health-wise. And I know people have other reasons for eating the way they do, which is totally fine. But if the reason is health, like you putting yourself in a diet box, whatever that diet is is actually in the long run, like really bad for your mental health, in my opinion. Well, and the reality is diets don't work. Like they don't, Mm -mm. they don't work maybe temporarily, but then it's not realistic. You're not going to maintain that for the rest of your life. And that's a big, one of like a huge portion of my counseling sessions with the teens that I work with is all about intuitive eating and completely eliminating that diet mentality altogether, completely eliminating like the red light food and the green light foods and saying like, you know what? No food is bad, right? I mean, there's things that you would want to limit, right? But, and there's things that you definitely want to eat more of, but trusting your inner wisdom and believing that you know how to eat in a satisfying and balanced way and listening to your body. And Sophia, you're a perfect example. I'm sure once you cut out gluten, you felt you're intuitive enough to feel like, okay, my body is needing something more and I need to get that protein. I'm the same way. I would love to be vegetarian, but my body craves meat protein. Like it just does. And yes, I try to limit it and I, we don't eat red meat on a regular basis, but guess what? There's days that I want a steak. And so I'm going to have a steak. Would I encourage someone to have a steak seven days a week? No, no. But like, yeah, that wouldn't be good for anybody. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Listen to your body, find that balance. If you want to have a cookie after dinner for dessert, guess what? Have that cookie you know, and enjoy it and don't feel guilty about it after the fact and don't eat 10 of them, but have a cookie, you know? And so I, it's just, that's such a big thing for me. Like that whole, like intuitive eating and listening to your body, honoring Mm -hmm. your hunger and rejecting the diet mentality, which is like, I mean, we make the millions and millions of dollars off of Different that's it diets. right there. And so mm-hmm. that's not going away anytime soon. No. But we have Mm-mm. to kind of like search within ourselves and really start to like make peace with food and um you know respect our body and figure out yes. like what works for us and what works for us isn't going to work for the person no. next to us or your husband or your boyfriend well, or whatever else. And exactly. That's okay. And that's my family. I mean, this is the thing and well, and the problem I think though is that people that have jumped from diet to diet to diet. I don't, I think they've just lost that intuitive connection altogether. And there, of course. there needs to be like, 
a way, and I actually like, this is actually why I created, I have this um, restore and refresh um, that I've created. And it's, I, I stress so hard with people that it's not a cleanse. I don't really do cleanses because I, our body's made to kind of cleanse itself. It's right. more of a restore and refresh, which is kind of meant to like, um, get your body back to equilibrium homeostasis so that like you can start to recognize the intuitive part of your body. But the problem is, is when you're jumping from diet to diet to diet, you lose that connection with your body because your body's like, screw you. Like you're not listening to me. So I'm going to sh shut down. Right. And, right. You know, and that's the thing is, I think what the piece that's missing is that like intuitive eating is great and that's what we should be doing. However, there's a bridge that needs to be rebuilt for yeah. people that don't like a lot of people don't know how to intuitively eat. They just right. don't because well, their just body doesn't know anymore. Yeah. 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 And absolutely. it's not gone forever. They need to like build that back. But yeah. that's kind of like, that's why I created this whole restore refresh thing. And it's not, I do not have, um, a, I'm not a dietitian or it's not a meal plan per se. It's more of a guide of how to how to listen to what your body needs. And it's, it's plant-centered, meaning that it encourages the more produce, the better. Because for anybody, the sure, more fresh produce you eat- Never that, a bad what, thing. No, yeah. never a bad thing. Um, but what it does, it helps guide you through, like, you know, it gives you ideas for um, creating juices as like, you know, as part of your day, like to help, you know, get that, those nutrients in to help balance your body back out. It encourages, like gives you ideas for all these different snacks and foods and like things that you can incorporate. And basically what it is, is like paying attention to what you're eating and how your body feels after. And yeah, that's like, as I get older, I can't do certain beans anymore. Like I can't do too many of them. I, mm -hmm. I my body can't process that much. So that's part of why, like I, you know, have had to like change a little bit of how I'm eating, you know, yeah. obviously gluten, I cannot do it all. Um, cow dairy, my, she says I test bad for cow dairy and she wants me to avoid it, but sheep and goat actually, she's like, you can probably do a few times a week. It doesn't, it's, it's not testing as high for you. So, you know, right. if I'm out and my friends are, you know, where I'm out with girlfriends doing like wine and, you know, cheese plate or whatever, I'm like, grab some goat cheese, you know, goat or sheep based cheeses. And I want to yeah. participate in that. Cause that's a mental thing for me, like being able to, to do that. And, um, sure. so but it's true. Like it's, but how do you like, so teens, we all know teens and the fact that they pretty much, um, I think their, their like role in life is to go against everything in life. <laughs> I think the world's against them. And oh yeah. Well, especially you tell them everything in life that their parents yeah. tell them to do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So how do you like teach teens about intuitive eating when they, they don't, they're growing and their hormones are changing. They're so, they're so disconnected from their body in the sense that like their body is going crazy. Like, how do you teach that in teens? You know, I mean, it's a lot of, I have a workbook that I give to them and it's a lot of journaling and, um, part of the process when I first start working with them is there's a seven day, it's called food mood journal that they have to keep track of. And so they have to write what they eat, when they eat, how they felt before they ate, and then how they felt after they ate. And so that journal gives me a little bit of insight just to kind of see like what their diet looks like, maybe where they're lacking, um, and so on and so forth, but also allows them and me to get some insight into really thinking about food beyond just nourishment. And like, how did you mm -hmm. feel after you ate that ice cream? Do you feel like shit? 
Like, and did you feel bad about yourself or was that exactly what you needed in that moment? And were you eating it because you were stressed out or anxious? Um, so really just making them, um, journaling is a big thing. And that's, I've teens hate that. Like they don't, you know, mm-hmm. they don't even, they don't write anymore. They're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to use a paper and a piece of pen, but and I'm like, you can type it in your phone. That's fine. But really thinking about the emotions associated with the food. And that's kind of the beginning step of it. Um, and then just, I mean, we just, we set goals at the beginning, um, of our journey. We do a learn goal. So it's like a lifestyle goal an exercise goal, an attitude goal, a reset and a nutrition goal. Um, and they're different for everybody, depending on like what's going on in their life. But, um, I incorporate the intuitive eating piece quite a bit into the lifestyle goal a lot of times and to the nutrition goal. And it's, you know, just like reiterating with them over and over and over again and hoping that something's going to catch. And the truth is no one actually really wants to diet. And so, because it's, you're depriving your body of what it needs. So the teens are really actually kind of receptive to the intuitive eating piece because I'm saying, guess what? Nothing's off limits. If you want a cookie, you can have a cookie. Like if you want ice cream, you can have ice cream, but you you need to listen to your body. When you eat it, you need to enjoy it and you need to not have any guilt associated with it. Um, And you need to also think about like what else you've had that day to kind of balance that out. And I think that is very liberating for a lot of the kids because so many of them have been dieting and their parents have been like saying like, no junk food, no sugar, no this. And I'm saying, guess what? You can, you can have all that. And so I think that they actually take to it more than you would think because it's almost, it's giving them control and diets take the control away from you because it's a set of rules that you're supposed to be following that are established by someone else. And intuitive eating puts those rules back on you. And all teens like to feel like they're the boss of themselves. So you'd be surprised how receptive they actually are to it. That is such a good point, that control issue. Like that is Mm -hmm. such a good point because yes, like that's what teens are fighting for is to be in charge and be in control. And And that's that's what intuitive eating says. You're totally in control. You're totally in control. Well, and I I mean, I try and teach that with my kids. It's actually funny because that's my, my husband, like he doesn't do it on purpose, but he struggles with the whole, like finishing your dinner and getting dessert and whatever. And Yep, you know, and yep. I work with him <laughs> as much nah. as I work with them. And it's like, you know, and I try and teach him like, for example, last night, like that we were eating pasta and peas because gosh, we were lazy. And the, the food that I photographed last night, um, three, my, my husband and my son and I, my oldest son ate it because they, we love mushrooms. The other two don't. So it was like, fine, whatever. So we did right, plain right. pasta <laughs> and peas for them. Um, and you know, my middle one's like, is there dessert tonight? And I said, well, I mean, I don't know, like you could always have something, you know, if, if you're, if you want, like I I didn't make anything specific, but we have like things, you know, we have fruit, we have ice cream, we have whatever. And he goes, okay, well, I'm almost full. So I want to leave the rest of my piece. So I have room for dessert. And I was like, well, (laughs) um, okay. But do you think that like your body's going to want to fill that extra space just with like sweet treats or do you think your body is going to like want to have some of those peas too and I'm like it's not an all or nothing thing and so he actually ended up 
eating all his peas, but I didn't, cause I didn't want to say no, but I no. also didn't want to yes. say like, yeah. great idea, you know, <laughs> like, sure. So it sure. is that balance between, and it, but with see with my husband, he's like, no, you got to finish it. And I was like, well, no, yeah. you actually don't, you don't have to finish it all. You know, you have to listen to your body. Um, and I, if you want dessert, cause I love dessert. You also don't want to shove dessert into your body if you are super full. So right. it's kind of that balance between, you know, listening and also letting yourself have something that you really are craving at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's, it's, but it's perfect. true. Giving the kids that control of, um, of being able, like we have a candy jar on our, on our, um, counter and I just have a candy jar. And anytime we get candy, we just, it's a community candy jar. I just shove stuff in there and they're right. welcome to, to get something from it. And what's actually funny is that we had people over for Halloween. Um, we had like people in the backyard, front yard, we put a movie on, on the drive garage, like for the kids Cute. and had a great long fun night that we paid for the next day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but my husband late night, my husband's known to clean up after parties because um, that's just what he does after he's been drinking. It's like, oh, he's gosh. For it. it's, he it's amazing. <laughs> Seriously. It's like amazing because I pass out and he cleans up, which is great. But you know, I, we kind of have it, you know, I also get everything ready. You probably so. prepped everything. Yeah. Yes. It's a good, so, it's a good win-win for everybody. Totally. So he cleaned up late night. Well, the next morning, you know, my middle son goes like, mom, I only ate five pieces of candy last night. And I was like, what? You only ate five pieces of candy. Like, I mean, it's Halloween. I'm like, I mean, yeah, five pieces, right. you know, little ones, obviously. And my husband's like five pieces. He goes, I ate more than that. Cleaning up the garage and seeing all the candy all over. <laughs> and my, and my, my son goes, well, where's the rest of my candy? And my husband all of a sudden, like kind of looks guilty. I'm like, what's wrong? And he's like, I may have just gotten frustrated with all the candy that was out. And I, I may have stuck it all in the trash can. <laughs> oh like, my gosh. Oh my oh God. My you threw, gosh, away, you threw away all their Halloween candy. And he's like, yeah, I think I did. And the kids were like, what? how dare you? <laughs> but it's funny because it lasted for like five minutes and they just didn't really care after that. Yeah. And yeah, they're like, well, exactly. I kind of want a piece of candy. So can I go grab some in the candy jar? I'm like, go ahead. And that's the thing. It's like, it wasn't this like, yeah, they were mad because it's Halloween and the whole party, sure, like, you, sure. you like to have all that candy because it feels, I don't know, you got it all or whatever. Right. Um, sense of reward. But it didn't really, didn't really last long. They didn't really care after yeah. a couple minutes. So right. right. it was interesting. It's, uh, yeah. But this has awesome. been amazing. I mean, I love all so many tips with the whole, I mean, I'm, I, that intuitive eating thing that you just said with the whole control, like that literally was like a light bulb moment for me. Um, well, yeah, no, I think, I think that's huge. And I think really that is like, if there could be one takeaway, it would be to, to trust your kids and to really help them learn to make those decisions for themselves. Cause they're not going to be under our roof forever. And no you know, we can try to control and dictate what they're eating when they're young, but as they get older and they start going out on their own, they need to make those decisions for themselves. Yep. And so starting at a young age and teaching them those intuitive eating principles is, and, and yeah, like really putting it on them to make those decisions. And guess what? Sometimes they're going to make bad decisions and they're going to yep. have more yep. cake than they wanted. And they're going to have a tummy ache as a result, but guess what? That's a learning that's exactly. a learning point for them and exactly. they're, and rather than shaming them for it, 
you know, have a conversation like, oh, how yeah. about make your how do you feel? feel? Yeah, good. Totally. Like, well, what do you think you should do next time? Don't say never eat cake again. Like, no. maybe let's just have a smaller piece next yeah. time. Um, because that's what kids want. And especially teens, they just want that control. And I think just as parents, we need to be sensitive and positive and believe in them and support them and, and really just like, you know, help them figure it out and navigate yeah. it. And, well, and, and guide them and... versus telling them because exactly. like you said, like, like in anything in life, they're going to need to know how to do things. It's kind of like teaching them to do their laundry, teaching them to make themselves something to eat. Like you're not yes. going to be doing that forever. And if you don't teach them those life skills, which eating is one of those life skills, totally. And that's what we tell our kids. We're like, look, we eat this way. We changed our diet for dad's health. You are a product of dad. There is a good chance because it's genetic. What you know, yeah. he has so good chance you have it too. Now, you know, when you're on your own, if you decide to eat like crap and you feel like crap, you're going to know why, because yeah. you know what it feels like to feel good. And that's the thing. And like, I, you know, my, my kids go out, like we let them explore themselves. Like you want to try like whatever, go for it. You know, yeah. Th- yeah. you know, think about how you like it versus how you feel. And I mean, my oldest son will never eat Pizza Hut again because he totally got diarrhea off eating too much Pizza Hut at a friend's house two years oh ago. God. And well, to, this kind day, of amazing. <laughs> yeah, to this day, he refuses. He's like, nope, I will not eat it because he felt so bad. And granted, right. he ate way too much. And sure. he was like, and I told him, I'm like, mm, yeah, well, that's what happens when you overdo something. Yeah. Um, but he made that decision himself never to eat it again. It wasn't because right. of me. It was just, he's like, I never want to feel that way again. Yeah. yeah um, that's huge. That's huge. Now, if people want to work with you, what are like the, if you're a parent of a teen, what are the warning signs that your teen needs some help with body image, you know, eating issues, whatever, what would you tell parents like that are listening, like warning signs to look out for that? Hey, you know, this is beyond me. What can I, I need some help with my kid. You know, that's a tough question because every kid is different. The last couple of girls I've worked with have, they're older, you know, and they've had that, they're able to acknowledge that they're going down a slippery slope towards an eating disorder. And they've actually gone to their moms. One reached out to me directly. She's 18. But the other one went to her mom and said, listen, like, I feel like I'm kind of on a slippery slope here and I'm getting a little compulsive about my calories and this and that, which is amazing. That's like the perfect, you know, client because they already want to take that step and they're recognizing that behavior. But, um, unfortunately so often, especially when they're younger, you're not, um, they don't, they don't have that understanding really, maybe that they're even going down there. Um, I mean, just being aware, watching what they're eating, watching how they're talking about themselves. I follow both of my girls on social media and watch what they're posting and what they're commenting. And that, that share, they know I follow them, but that shares a lot of insight, right? Because, um, I know it's all the rage to like, you know, post selfies of yourself and whatever Mm -hmm. else, but there's, I think correct me if I'm wrong, but there is definitely a trend with the girls that are constantly posting pictures of themselves and skimpy little outfits. They're seeking something. And that's that acknowledgement, like, oh, you're so pretty. I love you so much. Blah, blah, blah. And the list goes on. The kids that aren't doing that as much definitely have, it seems to me, a better sense of, um, 
self-worth, I guess, and aren't battling with those um, body image issues as much. But again, it really, it's so hard to say because it presents itself so differently yeah. in so many different kids. I think just having constant open conversations with your kids, trying to do family dinners as much as you can so that you can really see like, are they eating their food or are they just kind of pushing it around on their plate? What are they eating on their plate? Are they just eating the salad and not putting dressing on it because they think that dressing has too many calories? Like just being aware and just having honest, real open conversations always constantly. Would That's be a good advice. one. The family dinner one is a good one. That's a good one right. to like watch how they're eating. Cause as your kids get older, you don't eat with them as much. And that is right? like, I like that one. That's a really, really good one because at that point kids are serving themselves and yep. you could see what it is they're doing. And the whole same with the social media thing. So my boys are not on social media. Um, Consider yourself me, lucky. <laughs> well, me being, get there, I have to yeah. say, I have to say me being in a business that is based online and me seeing what's out there. Um, I don't know when I will allow them to have a social media account. Mostly my oldest one is a lot like me. He's, he's got diagnosed anxiety disorder. He sees a therapist from time to time. We haven't seen somebody in a long time because he's doing really well, but oh. my fear for him and social media, I think social media triggers anxiety big time. And um, 100%. Yeah. And I don't think it's the place for him. So I honestly can't tell you when and if I'm going to let him mostly because I fear for the anxiety piece. And yeah, but making sure to follow your kids is so good. Because I do see I do see stuff out there, like with young kids. And I'm like, where mm-hmm. are your parents? Like, and the whole thing, like you said, seeking that attention based on looks yeah. is like a big one. Like, it's one thing to like, I think posting selfies, like it's totally cute. And, you know, like, right, well, that's you know, the like, thing. That's what they yeah. do. But yeah. posting a selfie in a certain position or in, in certain clothing or um, with a certain pose and asking for things like, or saying, oh, I look fat or whatever. Right. That is like such a red flag. Absolutely. Well, and you know what? I use that as a tool a lot, like a talking tool. So I'll go on with my daughter and say like, Hey, I saw that, you know, this friend of yours posted, posted this. What do you, what do you think about that? Like, you know, and what do you think about these comments that she's getting? And just, just to kind of get that conversation started, like not being like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe your friend posted this. Like she looks like, no, yeah, whatever. Totally. <laughs> you know, that's maybe what I'm thinking sometimes. Yeah. But, no, totally. Um, but... but more just opening that conversation. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, so it's just, I mean, just being as involved and being as open and honest with them as you can. And again, I mean, it really just goes back to the way that you're talking about yourself and mm-hmm. and modeling that healthy lifestyle because they're yes. watching you. And they're listening to you. And, um, you know, if we're beating ourselves up and saying negative things about ourselves, then that's, that's a learned behavior. And so it's just, yeah, having that awareness all across the board. Totally. Um, so what do you have, uh, before we end, I want to, do you have any freebies or anything like that, that, um, information, um, worksheets or anything that people can look at like, like guides or whatever to kind of, I don't know. Well, that's an excellent question. (laughs) No, I don't, but I should. Um, 
I, there are some resources on my website. I have um, a section that's called health hacks and snacks. And so I have a lot of, I have a big sweet tooth. So I'm constantly like posting just fun little like healthy snack recipes that are really easy. A lot of my teens make them. Um, and I tell them, you know, gosh, a deaf sweet tooth might not go away and that's okay to honor it. Make these super easy snacks, have your mom buy these things at the store, and then you can Mm -hmm. have them on hand. So I do have some recipes on there, um, some basic health hacks, but I'm still building um, my website quite a bit. And so from a free resource standpoint, I don't have anything that I'm able to give away right now that's compiled, but certainly people can reach out to me. I always do a free um, introductory section. And really my goal isn't I mean, obviously everyone wants to make money, but my goal honestly is to help teens. So I've given tons of like resources that I have to people. If, you know, even if they do have an eating disorder and I'm like, Hey, listen, I need to refer you to someone else, but here's some tips and some tools and some resources and some books that I would totally recommend. Um, even though you're not going to work with me, I, all I care about is these kids getting the help that they need. Um, so anyone's welcome to reach out and talk to me. And, um, like I said, I'll 100% do free consult with anyone. And if I don't feel like it's going to be a fit, I'm not, um, I'm not like, I'm happy to share any resources that I have that would apply to the situation that those kids are in. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing. So much good information here. And it's been, I mean, I feel like we could talk forever on this and it's such a good, it's such Mm. a good thing right now for, you know, people like I, I just, I hope your business like literally flourishes because it's so needed right now. Um, but Thank I so you. appreciate you taking the time and being on. Um, and I really Thank hope you that, for having me. Of course. And I hope whoever's listening will check out Julie and look at her website. I'll have everything in the show notes, um, all the links and um, whatnot. So you can check it out. Um, and this was awesome. I just appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for having me. It was great to chat with you. Like I said, yes, we, I could continue to chat with you forever, but we'll let everyone go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and make sure you guys join me next time because kind of along the subject, um, our next episode is going to be all about how marketing likes to use the terms healthy or um, gluten-free or whatever it is to market products that um, you're basically just spending a lot of money on. and well, you know, they might be okay. Um, they're not really, like she said, there's so many resources out there that are easy, healthy little things that you can do that you do not have to spend so much money in order to be healthy and marketing makes you think you do. But anyway, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you guys next time.